The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza, and as usual, I am joined by my comrade, my co-host, my friend, John Sharon. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Um, it just got to 70 degrees in Cincinnati. Did it really? It did. I, wow. I, it might have been that for you for like two months, but um, <laughs> not I, I, you're not even in LA, and you're probably still warmer than I am at the moment. I'm... A little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I can't say it's been overly, overly warm uh, where I am, but uh, it's it's good to be back on this show. For those who are the ardent listeners of this program and ardent um, followers in terms of when this show is live, this is the the second time we've gotten together this week because we have. Uh, talked we, earlier this week. We talked about the mock draft selection for the SB Nation mock draft. Uh, for those who have not listened to that, downloaded that, uh, we do have a segment on that. The Bengals did make uh, a pick. If you ask myself, John Sharon, Jason Markham, all of us involved at CincyJungle.com and SB Nation, um, there is a pick, and there are pluses and minuses to that. So download that segment. Get it how you how you normally get the show, and then obviously uh, you're listening to us now. Apparently, so we love we love that you're you're tuning into the program. But if you have not had a chance to listen to the SB Nation contributor mock draft, in which we picked for the Bengals at number eleven, please do so and uh, take a listen to everybody else on uh, every other you know SB Nation blog for respective teams take a listen to those because every blog is doing a pick for the team that 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 they represent so uh check that out and uh let us know what you think about that john we're getting ever so close to the draft there are so many things we can talk about we're going to get to our mock drafts probably next week on next week's episode so we'll 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 tease that a little bit there we won't do that this week especially since we did the sb nation contributor Mm. mock draft but one thing that is affecting the draft is that the Bengals released last year's fourth round pick a running back Mark Walton. Now, last year, the Bengals weren't really expected to take a running back. They took him, but there were mixed reviews. Personally speaking, I was very excited about the pick because I thought that that was a need that is not, was not really being talked about. Um, You know, they lost Jeremy Hill. Joe Mixon was coming into his second year. He showed promise. Giovanni Bernard is who he is, but at the same time last year, you lose a guy and you don't really know what a guy's going to do in their second year in terms of Joe Mixon. You don't really know the durability of Giovanni Bernard. So Mark Walton, to me, especially as a day three pick, made sense, even though a lot of people are like, where's the offensive lineman? Rightfully so. But he is now released. He has had three arrests in 2019. 
before I get into the whole thing, I, I mean, I think we can all agree it it was time for him to go at that point, right? I mean, there, there's really not, especially new coach and everything, right? I mean, well, when we originally talked about after the first incident where it was a single charge of battery in Miami, and mind you, all three of these um, incidences occurred in Miami, in Florida for Walton. He went to college in Miami, so kind of went back to his old roots there. But when we talked about it, it was like we, we would. We specifically said that it would be a great way for Zach Taylor to send a message because this was right after he was a part of the hiring process that hired Jim Turner, who had his own issues as an offensive line coach. So we, we talked about that it would be a great opportunity for him to send a message to really assert himself as this leader of a brand new culture for the Bengals, and then it didn't happen. And then we found out that he had another unreported incident of just a marijuana possession charge back in January, which you know, depending on who you ask, it's not as serious as obviously battery because there's varying opinions on marijuana in the first place. But now you, then you had a third instance where it was a concealed carry marijuana possession and I think another type of assault charge. You're thinking, okay, this is just too much. Like e- even for the Bengals who are pretty, I don't want to say stigma, but just, just maybe a little more leaning on these types of things than others in, in recent history. It was just, it was, it, it was beyond time for him to go. And then there was talk about this was a great way for Zach Taylor to actually send that message. But the message probably should have been sent, you know, a month earlier when after that second charge, after that second yeah. pickup, like, however, it, ha- however it happened, it did end up happening. And there's kudos to him because, you know, like there, uh, there's just a golden rule where if you don't, if your value doesn't um, exceed the, the trouble that you bring with you, there's just no, that, that, that's just a bad case for you in the first place. And sp- specifically in a position where you do have a lot of talent up front, there's just not, a place for him to be here with, with the baggage that he's carrying. So it was, it was far time for him to go. Yeah. And it's not like he lit the world on fire as a rookie either. Right. I mean, he, he came in a couple he, of he times. Out the candle, in, in fact, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I specifically remember his, I, I think his biggest uh, workload or one of his biggest workloads was against the Atlanta Falcons early in the year. Joe Mixon was out with a knee scope. Giovanni Bernard had um, kind of been in and out of that game. Bernard had a great game that day, but um, it, it was, uh, it, and to Walton's credit, he had some big plays in that game as well. Uh, I think he had a big catch. Um, he, he also forced a penalty on him, that sort of thing. So, I mean, he had, he had a big day as well, but um there was nothing consistently that showed you. And now granted it's a third running back, but there was nothing there that really said we can't live without this guy. Um, And so the Bengals have cut ties with him. He's gone. Uh, Last week we talked a little bit about sleeper guys. Uh, John, I'm sure you noted on cincyjungle.com. I put up a post about some, uh, some, um, sleeper players and uh some of that was based on what we talked about last week i don't know if you want to talk about some of the guys i put up there basically i only put in terms of running back uh i put up bryce love of stanford kareth white jr of florida atlantic and uh miles gaskin from washington um i mean the truth is the Bengals are going to be looking for a running back probably on day three yet again this this year because of this move so whether it's those guys, whether it's some other guys you have on the periphery, um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think the Bengals are going to do? Or, or do you think they say, you know what, we're okay. Uh, we're going to load up on the other areas of need, linebacker, offensive line, quarterback, whatever, and forego drafting a player at running back. I think day three, again, would be a smart – I wouldn't go as high as the fourth round because I still think that there's other positions that they need to yeah. target first before third running back. And that was my original call with Mark Wall in the first place because, like you mentioned, they didn't draft an offensive tackle up until that point – or at all, at all at that point. And then they ended up taking a third running back who they decided they loved – him for a special teams ability and, and not for offensive line depth, which was always my main qualm with it. But I think the fourth round is still, I, I would say too early to actually do it. I think if at the moment they have five, six round picks and I don't, I personally don't think they're going to end the draft with five, six round picks, but I think one of them should probably be targeted for a running back. And I think this running back class in, in, in specifics isn't really good at the top, but it's deep all, all yeah. the way down through yeah. the rest of the draft, which which works out well for them. As far as this, not necessarily a sleeper, but a guy who should be available uh, around them is Darwin Thompson, uh, the running back out of Utah State, a mm-hmm. great athlete, massively productive in terms of touchdowns. I know 
Joe Goodberry is a, a fan of him. I, he may be available in the sixth round. He may be right to be picked in, with that fifth round pick. But I think if they want to fill out fill out the rest of the room, that range and a player like that would probably be fit. Bright, Bryce Love makes a lot of sense too because we, the Bengals love to target guys from big schools, big names who bring value to them. And it, had Bryce Love declared last year, he probably would have been a top 50 pick yep. off that season that he had. The thing with Love is that I'm not too keen on or I'm not aware if, if he has a lot of special teams experience. And I know that that's something that they're going to value just like they value with Walden last year, because if, if they're not going to get a lot of carries, they need to keep, they need to contribute in some other ways that they're going to be active on the field. So I think Thompson can provide some special teams value and also can, can provide a pinch of production if he's called upon. Yeah. I mean, Bryce love to me is, uh, I mean, almost uh, over 2,100 yards rushing um, in 2017 experienced some injuries and whatnot last year. So that was a guy to me that's just, you know, He's just flying under the radar a little bit, and uh, this year, and I think, I think from a Bengals perspective, you're just not looking at running back. So I think, I think most most of those names are kind of like, oh, oh yeah, that guy, oh yeah, that guy, oh yeah, him. Um, I, I agree with you though that special teams probably will be key. It may not be as big of an emphasis as it was under Marvin Lewis as it is under Zach Taylor, but I, I think. You know, you have to maximize the roster spots that you use. And when you when you have a – if you're going to carry three or four running backs, you're going to need to have those guys be able to do other things like on special teams, like you mentioned. I mean, it, that's just how it goes. I mean, guys are going to have to play dual roles. Um, I, I look at this and I say, uh, you know, on paper, if the Bengals lose – God forbid Joe Mixon for a short period of time or a long period of time. They do have Giovanni Bernard to lean on, and Giovanni Bernard is more than capable. He would be probably a starting-ish back on a, a number of different teams. But this is a league that if you do not have capable players to be able to fill in at critical spots because of injury, because of whatever – I mean, you're, you're not going to go far. So that's, that's why I say, I think running back might be a little bit more of a sneaky need, even though you sit here and you go oh, three third running back. I mean, do we really need to spend a lot of draft capital on that? I mean, kind of. And, and like you said, special teams, I, I think this is like wide receiver. I think this is kind of one of those things that's under, you know, swept under the rug a little bit. Uh, the only counter I would add to that is that running back is is the one position where you can manufacture production more than others, more than wide receiver, more than tight end. I mean, we, I mean, we see year after year these undrafted running backs get thrust into an opportunity, and if put into a good position, they can produce. And that's mainly had to do with offense lines, mainly do with scheme, and it's just the the quality of the play call that that's bestowed upon them. And unfortunately, the Bengals didn't have any of those last year under Bill Lazor with that offensive line. So that was unfortunate for Walton and to Walton's credit, he didn't have the greatest blocking up in front of him. And that was the main part of his lack of production. But if the Bengals offense line does improve, if Zach Taylor's offense does help out his running backs, like it did with Los Angeles Rams, I think that they can get away with acquiring a running back anywhere through the draft, maybe even after the draft as an undrafted free agent signing, or even giving a guy like Quinn flowers a chance to prove himself and make the 53 man roster and hopefully get some better production out of a position that you don't necessarily need to invest really early to get the the, the, the best possible production out of anymore. It's true. Uh, and, and, and that's why we don't see, you know, in for those of us who are um, of the older ilk <laughs> in terms of, of NFL watching and everything. I mean, if, if you watch the, 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 the draft in the 1990s and the early 2000s, it was, Get a running back within that those top ten picks, and that is just not—that's not at all what today's NFL is about. Um, it's it's get a mid-round pick, surround him with a great offensive line, potentially a great quarterback, and and move forward from there. So, uh, regardless, the Bengals have some decisions to make because. Um, and, and they already made a tough decision in terms of getting rid of Mark Walton. So um, he's not on the team anymore. And uh, I, I think we can all agree that we hope that Mark Walton is a guy that uh, gets his life in order because mm -hmm. this this has really snowballed o o over the past couple of, of months and weeks. Uh, and, and some of the reports that come out with 
what's happened with him has have not been it's been a little ugly so uh for his sake i hope that everything works out and for those who tuned into this program if you remember we had i, I mentioned this a while ago but if you remember we had a scheduled interview with mark walton and um his first arrest was uh the day or, or the day before that uh we were supposed to talk to him so it's been it's been a, a whirlwind for him to be sure and uh the Bengals will probably be looking for a running back of some kind whether it's someone that's already in the building or someone that they can get on day three of the draft an undrafted free agent i don't know but uh, it, it's somebody that, and like you said, John, it's somebody that's going to, to need to be able to contribute on special teams as well as being an offensive weapon going forward to maximize the ro- roster spots. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Shearer and I'm Anthony Cazenza. Earlier this week, we talked about the SB Nation uh, mock draft pick for the Cincinnati Bengals at number 11. So go check out that media. You can find that as well as all of this stuff that we do on this podcast, whether you watch us live or not, you can get all that stuff on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Spotify, on the Megaphone platform, as well as on YouTube and CincyJungle.com. So get the show how you can. We appreciate the support. We also appreciate, and I specifically appreciate, John's flexibility. Um, I, I appreciate uh, all of our listeners' flexibility. Sometimes we switch up times and whatever for the live recordings. So, um I appreciate the the flexibility, and uh, if, if, if you're able to join us live, either via cincyjungle.com or on our YouTube channel, please do. If you are not, then we miss you, but uh, get the show on all of those platforms, as I talked about. John, there's a new slogan in Cincinnati, and uh, we, we I, let, me, let me ask this before we get into what the slogan is and your thoughts about it. We, I kind of thought maybe this, I don't know, the off-season workout thing and the use of a slogan would have dissipated with Marvin Lewis's departure. I think, um, you know, that, that seemed to be something he really rallied the troops around, I guess, if you will. But uh, th- that's not the case. Um, are you surprised that this is kind of uh, another rallying cry under Zach Taylor? Uh, what we'll get to in a second, but are you surprised that there's this, I don't know, team slogan or whatever for 2019? I was thinking the same thing, and it's just funny how Marvin Lewis, who's currently out of a job because the AAF doesn't exist anymore, so he can't <laughs> call games anymore, that his legacy, when maybe when he thought he took over, his legacy might have been first playoff win since the early 90s, maybe a, a Super Bowl appearance, the third in team history, maybe even a Super Bowl title. No. His legacy is just a, a phrase on, on a shirt that has now been a tradition that's picked up by the rest of the Bengals organization. Why why are they what is the purpose of this? A tradition unlike any other. A tradition the masters on CBS. Yeah. You see how I tied that in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, there you go. I'm a big Masters fan, so yeah. I'm excited for that. But yeah, I, I don't like I, I don't under it doesn't do anything for the fans. I, I don't know if it does anything for the players. I'm not in the locker room. If I was a player, I don't I don't I don't really want to get up from the work. I don't, want, I don't want to get up 7 a.m. every morning to go to work because uh, everywhere on, on in Paul Bernstein's words of it's about us. It doesn't do do anything for me, especially ru- run on your own gas or whatever the hell that was a couple of years ago. That was bottom two, I would say. So uh, it doesn't do anything for me. I, I can't imagine it would do anything for the players. But if, if Mike Brown and the rest of the team thinks it does something, then there's no telling them that no, I guess. I don't. So – a lot of people in this building were there for Marvin Lewis's regime, right? I mean, they, they, they were drafted by him and all of that. And so they've seen the keep shoveling the, what, what was the one you just said? Gosh, run on, your uh, run gas. on your own gas. I mean, that is just, I mean, that, that's, what other gas are you going to use? Yeah. Your, your own, I'm on, a, I'm on a soapbox. Yeah. Your own human gas, I guess. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Uh, so uh, from this, from my standpoint, there, there is a, there is an, uh, an aspect to this that says, Hey, 
you know, th this is a new thing. This is a new regime, a new day, quote unquote. So a new quote and whatever that may, that may get you fired up and maybe the coaching staff and just a different vibe in there. It's younger. Um, it, it may give you a little bit more of a oh, little energetic step as it, as it comes in April. But I, from kind of a, you know, a, a, a standing back standpoint and looking at it from a distance, it's kind of like, this is, this is exactly like, the regime you're trying to move away from. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you're doing the things you're, you're doing this slogan thing and, and granted it's okay. If you want your own slogan, it's okay. If you want this, but it just, it screams same thing to me. Um, and, and this whole thing was supposed to be, we're not doing the same thing. We listen to the fans and I, I you know, we jokingly put up a poll on Twitter, John, what do you think about the new Bengals slogan? It's about us, which is, by the way, the new slogan, it's about us. 33% uh, say they love it. 8% say they hate it. 21% say they I want it to be about me. That was the jokey part. And 38% say I don't care. 21% say I want it to be about me. And the reason why we put that on there is because supposedly Mike Brown said, we listen to the fans. We listen to them not coming to the games, all that kind of stuff. So when you, when you have a slogan saying it's about us, but it's not about the fans. It's not about the fans want. It's not, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it's player centric. It's team centric and that's okay. But I, I, there's a lot of things, I guess. And, and granted, this is such a small thing to scrutinize. Right. <laughs> it really is. It's a small thing to scrutinize, but it, it's one of the things where we're trying to transition into a new era and it just reeks of old. We're really, we're really upset because we wanted to say it's about the. Owners. I wanted to say the slogan. I wanted yeah. to create. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, this is Marvin Lewis's legacy. But you know what doesn't reek Marvin Lewis? Thirty-minute phone breaks and meetings, or yeah, whatever. I, I think because Zach Taylor's a millennium or, or millennial, excuse me. And I think it was Cliff Kingsbury who originally said he's going to have phone breaks after yep. thirty minutes of meetings. So Taylor looked at that and said, "You know what? I, 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 I got to raise, I got to raise you. So I'll, I'll do the, I'll do the same thing." And I think that's uh, a step in the right direction because attention spans don't go past thirty minutes anymore. It's, mine barely goes past fifteen minutes. It's a wonder I can even do this podcast. But, but yeah, like. It, I, I would echo the same thing. I, I don't see the purpose of it. I never saw the purpose of it under Lewis. I don't see the purpose. I don't see why Taylor would want to do it again, but at the same time, we're kind of arguing about nothing. And that's kind of the nature of the off season. We, we need a slogan. Do, do we need a slogan? We don't need a slogan. Hey, let's, let's ask the listeners for one. I would, I, I don't think we have one. Um, I mean, I, this is a fan centric pod podcast and it's about podcast. you not it's not about us yeah, yes there it is there about it is. you it's about it's about me it's about you there you go <laughs> i like it i like it yeah i mean look uh we may be splitting hairs a bit here but and this may be something to be quite honest i don't heavily look at every other training camp around the league but the, and this may be something that is pretty prevalent around the league but it just has the, the air, the stink, whatever you want to call it. Of, yes, of the previous regime. And hey, the previous regime did a lot of good things. Let's not let's not disparage that. But this whole thing, moving on from a sixty-plus-year-old coach to a guy who's younger than me—I keep harping on that because I'm very jealous—and <laughs> um, and his choosing of staff a lot of which is younger or guys that are getting their first shots in higher profile roles. There, there's a, I mean, there's something to be talked about there, right? I mean, there, there's, these are first time guys getting their first shots and all that kind of stuff. So the, I mean, that, that's to be noted. And when you, when you kind of keep something and you carry it over, who knows, maybe they, maybe they talk to the players and they really like the little kitschy, sayings or whatever i i don't know i find that hard to believe but uh i 
it's not the worst. <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the world. And again, I, I think we're kind of splitting here. This is the one thing that is carried over in the, in the into the post Marvin Lewis era. I'll be I'll be able. That's to fine. See. Yeah, that would be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we could. Uh, God, we could be talking about your uh, Cincinnati Bearcats losing their head coach or the Los Angeles Lakers uh, <laughs> doing whatever's happening with Magic Johnson. So, um, I mean, there there are more pressing things to talk about per team, but. I, I do think this was a, an interesting, uh, interesting situation. Before we move on to some listener questions, and by the way, you can get on, get to us on some listener questions either in the CincyJungle.com comment thread. You can get to us on Twitter at BengalsOBI. You can also text or call us at 949-542-6241. We will take calls and texts there. Um, so, so get to us. We'll try and get to a, a couple of those before the show's end. This is going to be an abbreviated show, as I mentioned, because uh, we, we did a little earlier portion of the show in terms of the SB Nation mock draft. By the way, John Sheeran, my esteemed co-host, uh, on Bengals.com, there are a number of people who, who do agree with us in terms of their mock draft, in terms of who we picked at number 11. Um, for the SB Nation mock draft, or who was, well, who we picked, who we yeah. picked at number 11. Uh, so, you know, we're in decent company there. I do want to talk about this real quick, John. There are, there, there were a number of players who were tendered offers as restricted free agents for the Bengals this offseason. That was one of the first quote-unquote moves that they did in the off season and in free agency. Um, a lot of those people have signed those, especially now that the Bengals have come back for workouts. One of which is Alex Redmond. Um, he's back. He's back. Uh, look, I, I think we need to talk some people off the ledge, especially with the John Miller signing Redmond coming back does not mean at least does not automatically mean he's starting. Correct. He's a camp body right now. That's right. he's on an unguaranteed six hundred forty-five thousand dollar contract. He got booted off of his spot from John Miller. Um, it was. It, it, I just. I just think it's kind of interesting how he was the last one to sign. Like him and Tony. It, it's fitting now. It's McCray, Tony, right? Yeah, McCray signed, I believe, uh, earlier this week after the Bengals brought in B.W. Webb and re-signed Darkwood Sennard, and after drafting two cornerbacks last year. That cornerback room is crowded. McGray probably knows he's on the outside looking in. Alex Redmond's probably thinking the same thing. He like he, like we just said, he lost his starting spot. They still have Christian Westerman. They re, they tendered uh, Trey Hopkins to the second round level, so he's been getting paid three million this year. So he's got to fly for his spot. And I think it was it, it's possible that he was pondering of declining that tender and looking somewhere else where he can um, have a be in a better situation. So I think that 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 might speak some form of volumes, but. Regardless, he'll be here in training camp, and it's not a guarantee that he'll come out alive or on the team. Yeah, look, I'll go on record saying I have no problem with Alex Redmond being on this team. I I, I really don't. And uh, Alex Redmond being a backup player, Alex Redmond being an emergency starter, I don't really have a problem with that. It's Alex Redmond, the 16-game, 15-game starter. The We're going to commit to him and move forward. That's what I have a problem with. Um, I, I think, you know, if you have an emergency spot start, not ideal, but if, if he is a camp body, like you said, John, uh, that that's okay to me. That, that's okay. Uh, compete, work for a spot, all of that. It, it, it's where, and I think that's what the Bengals initially, and I think we all, myself included, kind of had the knee-jerk reaction of when this offer was tendered to him it was like so early on and it, based on how many games he had started and what you know what the Bengals commitment was to him last year it was kind of like well obviously they're committing to him again so uh, I, I think I think we all kind of you know take a step back from from that leg, <laughs> my friend if, if, if I can quote third eye blind um you know, you, you take a step back and you say, okay, look, this is this is competition. This is now a backup spot. And the Bengals, you know, 
even if it's a marginal improvement in terms of Miller at right guard over Redmond, it seems to be that they recognize that that spot was a weakness. Right. And, and if, and by some miracle that Redmond ends up starting over Miller in week one, I'm just going to assume that Marvin Lewis is the face of span and, and is wearing Zach Taylor's face. Yeah. That, and, and, and at that point, let you and I, let's, let's just not even cover stuff for Cincinnati.com yeah. <laughs> or for this podcast during free agency. I mean, if it, I mean, at that point it's kind of like, well, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up drafting a guard because yeah. Westerman's has one year left on this deal. Obviously, Redmond is on a one-year deal right now. Yep. Bowling has one year left on this deal. The depth, of, the the future depth of the guard is not looking good. So, and and I think and Rod Taylor is coming back, and there was a lot of promise with him going into training camp. He's an athletic guy, and with eleven picks, I think it's fairly likely that one of those day three picks is on an offensive lineman, an interior offensive lineman of some sort. Redmond might not be able to beat him out. So this doesn't mean much in the long term. Definitely the Miller signing alleviated some of our fears that he would be, Redmond would be starting next to Bobby Hart again, which would have been no bueno. So it's whatever right now. Do not be surprised if the Bengals use one of their patented, uh, well, one of their picks on a patented player who was a tackle in college. Mm-hmm. but converts better as a guard in the NFL and has positional flexibility. They love guys like that. They love guys like that on the offensive line where they can maximize roster spots because a guy can play multiple spots. We've seen it before. Trey Hopkins is the prime example of who's currently on the roster in terms of that. I mean, he can, depending on who you ask, he could play basically three positions on the offensive line. So, um, do not be surprised if they draft a guy who's a guard slash tackle, a center slash guard, or somebody that maybe could play all of them. I don't know that there's not many of those guys who could do that, but um, do not be surprised about that. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. We're coming at you once again this week as we grow and move ever so near to the NFL draft coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Uh, earlier this week, we we did the SB Nation mock draft, contributor mock draft, John and I did, for the Cincinnati Bengals with their pick at number 11. That post is on cincyjungle.com, and you can get that audio and video through all of our channels, which, by the way, are on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Spotify. It's also on the Megaphone platform, YouTube, and cincyjungle.com, so get this show those episodes how you can we appreciate the support and we're going to get out of here now with a couple of listener questions we've received quite a few texts calls all that kind of stuff if you want to try and get in before the end of the show 949-542-6241 is our number uh you can also leave them in the live youtube chat as well as the live ch- uh comment thread on cincyjungle.com and on twitter at Bengals OBI. We got another text from Dan in Tennessee. Um, Dan, last week, John, if you remember, was the guy who talked to us about the offensive tackle from San Diego State, Ryan Pope. Um, Dan said, uh, you in the show rocks. Well, we in the show rock, my friend. Um, Sleeper running back is Daryl Henderson from Memphis. His numbers are great. Any? Do you have any answers? I I don't mean to put you on on the spot there. Look, we, we talked about how running back is a need, and it's obvious that the Bengals aren't looking for a guy who's going to carry their team this year. I mean, that, that's what they did with Joe Mixon. Um, I mean, I'm looking right now from Memphis, 1900, 1,909 yards, 22 touchdowns. I mean, hello. Production's there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. Um, and, and when you look at some of those guys that are, quote, unquote, small schools, Memphis isn't a small school, but it's not a football powerhouse, you look for those kind of numbers. You really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, look, I'm not asking for a film review on the spot here, but um, – are there guys like that that you see that, you know, whether it's this Henderson kid from Memphis, whether it's some of the guys I mentioned on CincyJungle.com, whether it's, you know, Gaskin or uh, Pope or uh, Love or, you know, whoever. Uh, are there some of those guys where you say, look, this is, this is, this is kind of who I want the Bengals to draft. Maybe it's in the fifth round. Maybe it's in the sixth round. I, I don't know. 
Uh, I, I just I think that there are some p- positions that Bengals fans aren't looking at. And I think running back and I think receiver are two of them in terms of long-term needs. Yeah. And if, if you guys remember um, last year, um, the Seattle Seahawks made maybe the most shocking pick, if not the Steelers taking the Edmonds brother at, at the end of the first round, but Seahawks drafted Rashad Penny at the end of the first round and nobody in their, in their mother expected Penny to go that high, but he ended up testing. Obviously he was extremely productive at, a similar caliber school of San Diego State to Memphis uh, tested very well and ended up being the top 26 pick. If there's a guy in this running back class that could have that meteoric rise, I think it's going to be Henderson because he's like leading the running backs in top 30 visits. He's has um, r- reportedly a lot of interest between teams picking between 20 and 40. So maybe a couple months ago, there was talk about maybe Henderson being that value fourth, fifth round pick. I don't think he's going to make it to the third round. I think I think the mm-hmm. second round is probably his floor. Wow. It's not where the interest is right now, and I think he's. I want. I'm. A, I'm like running back is is always a tricky thing for me to say, but in terms of just what you look for in a running back, in terms of production, in terms of having at least one elite athletic trait and having solid film and having you know these production upside against small school talent, I think Henderson checks off all those boxes, and he's only a third year player. He doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires, if you will. He came out at the right time after a success, uh, a great year at Memphis. I think uh, if the Bengals want to take him, they're probably going to have to take him with that second-round pick. I don't think he's going to make it to the third round. Um, but, again, with the running back position in general for the Bengals, I just don't want the Bengals to feel needed to pick one too early like they probably felt last year with Walden. I know that they would have zero depth of the position right now. They only have three on the roster. I just think that there's plenty of running backs that you can take at the very earliest with that fifth round pick, but especially in the sixth round, like a Mike Weber from Ohio State, um, the Divine Ozigbo from Nebraska, who was a combine snub, but probably shouldn't have been, even a guy like Justice Hill from Oklahoma State. I think there's going to be guys that are going to fall, whether they either tested bad or just the nature of the draft and just having a a ton of players at one position, only a a certain number gets drafted. So I think, this again, the sixth round is probably that sweet spot. Um, But I guess if the Bengals do take one in the fourth round, like they do with Mark Wallen last year, Trayvon Williams, the guy from Texas A&M is probably the guy to look out for because of that connection with offense line coach Jim Turner. Um, he obviously knows how to uh, maneuver and run in, in his scheme in the fourth round, probably the, um, the, the sweet spot for him in his projection right now. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. Um, it, it's it for some of these guys, especially that are in the, um, "Quote unquote small school background. Um, it it does depend on scheme, and that, that's why I think what you said about Williams is a great point because that is someone who is intimately familiar with the offensive line blocking scheme that Jim Turner Jim Turner had at Texas A and M, and um, obviously he would know how to translate that in the pros and and all of that. But uh, yeah, uh, I, th- there are." Running back is a hard position to sometimes project in the NFL. I mean, Kareem Hunt was, what, a third or fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt was one of the most productive backs in the NFL. And, of course, now he's got massive off-field issues. So, uh, you know, that that is something where you go, okay, that was a massive gamble, and it paid off for about a year and a half, and then it did not. So, uh, and I'm not saying this kid obviously has the same – baggage or whatever but it's just that or Darren Anderson's an amazing human being yeah it, 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 go ahead uh, it was like him and um Montgomery from Iowa yeah do a lot off the field Montgomery is a Cincinnati kid he, he's actually going to be in the, the Bengals local pro day because he went to Mount Health Mount Healthy High School before going to Iowa State because I don't think he had a lot of interest and in, not, not not to steal your whole, whole stick here but uh, Montgomery's another guy that on on day two that could I, I think would probably have more interest from the NFL than where I think most draft analysts have him going down like that third or fourth round range because you know just looking at overall skill set and what he brings and I, I think the the ability to create on your own is something that Montgomery does extremely well and um, if the Bengals want to have continued interest of bringing in local guys he's another guy to watch out for especially if he falls it's uh, a good point and I there are more questions that are coming up both and and this this week unfortunately is more well fortunately and unfortunately 
is a lot about running backs and wide receivers. Young Capone, 5'5", 9", who is apparently Dean from Cali. Cali friend. Hello, Dean. <laughs> um, and this is in the live YouTube chat. If Jacobs from Alabama is still there in round two, would that be too much of a reach? Now, the Bengals have shown that they really like the round two running backs. Um, to me, I don't think you do it, but it also wholly depends on what, what you do in round one. Um, uh, they really like the best player available strategy. I think a lot of fans like the best player available strategy, but hey, if you take another running back in round two uh, <laughs> in a rebuild project, uh, I'd be I'd be running out of desks uh, to flip. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Only if you're trading Joe. It Mixon. would be great value, though. I mean, it really would. But uh, in, even, even still, like even he, what the team needs, it's like I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think it would be great value because he he didn't test very well. Which like the the main thing with with Jacobs is that oh he's just Alvin Kamara because Kamara didn't produce at all in Tennessee, but tested extremely fast and extremely uh, explosive and basically showed everyone I should have been given the ball more Tennessee. And the thing with Alabama players specifically is that they're surrounded by so much talent that it's just hard for some of them to stand out on the, on the score sheet, on the box score, and just in terms of overall playing time. With Jacobs, when he did get the ball, he did look extremely well and looked like he should have probably been carrying the ball 200 or 300 times, but he didn't. And it's re really rare for running backs who didn't produce in college to end up suddenly becoming these high-quality guys in the NFL. And the biggest exceptions are the guys who test like all pro athletes and Jacobs unfortunately didn't test like that. And that's why at one point he was, he was getting like top 10 love and now he's might not even be in the first round, but the only way that I would even somehow sanction the Bengals doing that is that they do trade Joe Mixon for like a quality, like linebacker or a quality player at, at a position of need, because there's just no sensible reason for them to take a running back in the second round. Especially yeah. more risky as Jacobs. Okay, so now this is going to transition. Look at this. I'm the king of the segue. <laughs> um, this is going to transition well into another text we got, uh, who I believe was Ken from Ken Dipple, the uh, the gentleman who turned us on to Bart Williams, Bartholomew Williams. Um, and by the way, if you want to know more about him, there is a post on cincyjungle.com about him. Um, we talked about this. Look. We, we talked about this a few weeks back in terms of is receiver a bigger need than a lot of people would like to admit. Uh, A.J. Green, final year of his deal. Tyler Boyd, final year of his deal. John Ross, he's got potentially two more years on his deal, but there's been a, there, there have been trade rumors, which have since been debunked, but there have been trade rumors about him moving on. And beyond them, ton of question marks right? right so now i mean when we last addressed this this was probably a couple of months ago but now we're now you know a week or two away from the from the nfl draft i mean is is dk metcalf are are any of those people uh are, and and if you listen to this podcast and who we picked at number 11 for the cincinnati Bengals you would have known that there were quite a few players that I think a lot of people would have liked on the Bengals already selected. So if the, if the top 10 plays out that way or a similar way, multiple quarterbacks, one or two linebackers, multiple defensive linemen, is then a workout warrior like a DK Metcalf or somebody else on the table for the Bengals at number 11 because at wide receiver, because of the uncertainty that surrounds some of the people they currently have on their roster. Like Metcalf is such an enigma to me and I'm grateful that the Bengals aren't in a dire need to pick wide receivers. So I didn't have to concern myself with them possibly picking him. I do think that, he checks off a lot of their boxes because height, weight, speed is. There's no other better way to describe DK Metcalf. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's young; he's only 21 years old, and that's kind of where the problem is because it's very similar to Jacobs. He just didn't produce at Ole Miss, and you're thinking, okay, well, Ole Miss had AJ Brown and Demarcus Lodge, and you know, a, a middling quarterback in Jordan Tamu, and he, you know, so he's surrounded by all this talent. 
And but you're thinking a, a guy who's getting comparisons to Calvin Johnson should be able to produce at a high level. And even in the games that he played, he only I think accounted for 23% of Ole Miss's uh, pass passing yards. And the cutoff you really, really look for is 30% in terms of high quality outcomes. So Metcalf, while he has all the athleticism, brings a major risk long term in, in terms of development. And he, uh, again, as a young player, shows a tremendous ability on film in terms of releasing from press, stacking cornerbacks breaking off routes, and I don't think athleticism is an issue, even though he may not be the most, most flexible guy as evidenced by his short shuttle and three-cone, but it, it, it's a major risk that I, I would only advise a team to take if they are in dire need of a receiver and, 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 not, and, and not a team like the Bengals that have much bigger needs than receiver. And just like running back, this class of receivers is not strong at the top, but really deep down the line. And with 11 picks, you have to figure that probably one of them is going to be on receiver and I think they would just be much better suited to take a guy with more production to his to his uh, name and with, with also good athleticism to potentially carve out a roster spot for him. My my stance is this, John: if the first round played out the way uh, the the top ten played out the way that it did in our SB Nation mock draft, and the Bengals then, which by the way in our mock draft pick, the Bengals we were not privy to a trade back situation but if in reality for operating in the realm of reality that top 10 played out the way it did the Bengals then moved back and then the player that we selected for them at number 11 was also selected before they came on the clock I I, I don't know that you know and it, it get, again it depends on whether where they would have moved back to what selection and you have to determined value and all that but you know if multiple linebackers are off the board multiple quarterbacks are off the board multiple defensive linemen are off the board maybe even a couple of offensive linemen off are off the board then you kind of sit there and you go okay maybe this is a guy that we look at as the future or and and you also have to weigh if you're the Bengals, you also have to weigh your commitment again we talked about this for god months since yeah the- you have to weigh your commitment to, to Andy Dalton. Um, and, and if your commitment to Andy Dalton is surround him with weapons, we're going to stick with Andy, which is okay. But if you're going to do that, then that's where a DK Metcalf, to me, makes more sense, where you just say, let's just let's just get him a ton of guys. Uh-uh. And I want to stress that, like, to, to your credit, to, to your point, like trading back and seeing guys at, at, your, at your positional needs go off the board – I, like I'm a proponent of don't force yourself into drafting for needs, you know, like it, it, in how an NFL team should be built. You should address needs of free agency and just take the, the best players in the draft. And that's the best way to, to formulate a roster. Just with, with, unfortunately for the Bengals, they don't really do that in terms of free agency, but it, it's just, my hesitation would be, I don't, I still don't think that Metcalf would be near at, near the top of my board for, for the risks that I already mentioned. And that's my only kind of reservation with that. I do. I do see the logic though, in terms of, long-term how the receiver room could look in 2020 depending on extensions for for Boyd and Green so I I can understand that angle I just think that with with Metcalf and the other receivers in this class I just don't think it would be the wisest move for them I I am in full agreement with you this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast he's John Sheeran I'm Anthony Gazenza thanks for all of your questions this week you can get this show on iTunes on Stitcher on Google Play, on Spotify, on the Megaphone platform, as well as on YouTube and CincyJungle.com. We appreciate all of the feedback. We appreciate all the live listeners. I know that we've been a little fluid this week in terms of content and and start times and all of that fun stuff. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate my co-host being flexible on that front as well. John, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Are you betting on the Masters? Tell everyone where you are right now, actually. I'm sorry, what? Tell everyone where you are right now. Do I have to? Uh, uh, I, I'm in uh, Lost Wages. Uh, so <laughs> I was actually here a couple of weeks ago uh, for a brief little jaunt. And um, I actually did put uh, money down on the Bengals because I had 100, 100, and, 100 to 1 odds for them to win the Super Bowl. So I put $20 down. If they win, I get... Two thousand twenty dollars in twenty twenty. So I get twenty twenty in twenty twenty <laughs> if the Bengals actually win the Super Bowl this year. But uh, yeah, that's that's 
where I guess I, I currently am at this point. Um, and I'm, I'm here again. I, I have not placed another bet on the Bengals, if that's uh, – <laughs> for those for those who for those who are wondering that that's uh that's not happening yeah i was i was i was kind of scheming for advice because i have like 120 in an account that i can't well what are, you, what are you wanting advice on because i don't know that i have it's, it's the master i was i was hoping for some for some, some lines i'm not one of those guys that will take like tiger over the field it's not like 2020 2010 anymore so yeah. <laughs> But I have like 120 in an account, and I can't like withdraw, and so I have 500 something. I'm just gonna go balls to the wall. Are um, you really? Yeah, I, I got that from like <laughs> it was from combine prop bets because I had Dwayne Haskins this 40 time. It was like over under 473. I'm like, is this a mistake? Because the dude ran like a five flat, and he never ran that fast in his life. And I got I bamboozled for the uh, mi- minimum withdrawal type. So <laughs> I, I might um. Go go balls to the walls here on a on a master's bet. So if you, if you see any lines, let me know. Uh, yeah, how, uh, I, to be honest with you, how how I haven't looked. Is he? Uh, I, I mean, I've been talking with some people, and they think he's uh, poised to make a little bit of a run here. I, I, he I don't know. Poised to make a run. I know. I know. We could we could do a whole podcast episode on Tiger, right? I mean, uh, he'll be eighty, and people are like you know he can he can, he can do it. He can do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so that's that's where I am, and that's uh, what's been what's been happening with me. So um, you can envy me from here uh, if if you'd like. But uh, anyway, John, uh, any any other final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I'm I'm, I'm good. Hopefully, I'm not going to be sick for this week because i'm starting to feel it in my throat but yeah that, that doesn't we sound will fun. carry on we will carry on yeah that 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 does not sound fun my because friend. it's about us <laughs> it is about us and this show is about us it's about not only john and i us it's about all the, of you and and those the royal who, us. those who are calling in that that we cannot get to the, sh- the to their call yet um or or this week we cannot get to you but uh yeah it is about us it really is uh, despite not us, <laughs> not 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 getting your call, it is about us. Um, at any rate, thanks, John. Appreciate you being flexible. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. Um, there's a lot more to be had on this show and to download on our streams and everything in terms of draft content and whatnot. Again, if you have not had the chance yet, check out our post on cincyjungle.com and or our audio video content for the SB Nation contributor mock draft. Check that out. As well as getting the show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on uh, Spotify, as well as the Megaphone platform, YouTube, and Cincy Jungle. You can get the show on all that stuff. Um, We appreciate all of the support. We're going to keep giving you all kinds of content, especially as the draft nears. So stick with us. Thanks for tuning in live. We'll see you next episode. Appreciate it. This has been the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast for John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Kazenza. We'll see you next time.